who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll see what they show up for and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and this week I am joined by Emma. Hello. And by Matt J. How are you both? I'm doing great, mate. I'm just, you know, vibing, living in that like post, uh, sorry, pre-Gamescom, like not actually stressed out at the minute when I'm there. It's going to be all hell. But yeah, right now, fine. Well, that's the thing. You you get to go, right? Uh, Whereas both Emma and I are stranded back here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All on our own. We'll be Will thinking your... of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't I'll hold be thinking a... of the tiny beers that they have over there. Oh, they're but, so yeah. good. Yeah. You, you, it... Have you ever had a pork knuckle, by the way? Never. Me? I, I have had many. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, if I was going, I probably wouldn't have one now. It's, it's absolutely... I'm trying to think of the equivalent of what British tourist food it would be. It turns up and you're like, oh, look at that, that's massive. And then after like four mouthfuls, you're like, I don't really want this. There was a Twitter thread not too long ago about uh, somebody from America had uh, come to London for the first time and yeah. had gotten a really terrible plate of fish and chips and had yeah. decided the entirety of London cuisine was uh, was awful just based on that experience. So I could, I could say that's probably it. The worst yeah. battered, like very yeah, yeah, soft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could completely agree. But that's also like, you know, London is nowhere near the coast. So mm. you're not going to get the freshest <laughs> fish or, uh, and again, if you went to a really nice restaurant, then maybe you would get good fish and chips. But, you know, maybe you just went to a Spoons and had their frozen fish from the, from God knows where it's from. I don't know. Yeah. Just put it in the microwave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chef, anyway, Chef Mikey prepared that. Uh, I do hope you have a fantastic time in Germany. We will, of course, have next week's podcast from over there. Uh, but for this week, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, lots of things happening on TV. But first, Matt, you went to do something interesting this week? 
Sure. Yeah, I went to the uh, Pokemon Center that opened up in London's XL as a part of the World's uh, Tournament, the the trading card game. Right. Uh, so that is held in London this year. And as a way of celebrating that and getting more people involved, they opened up a Pokemon Center pop-up store. Um, even though it's a pop-up, like pretty, pretty massive. Um, okay. In order to get into, you had to sign up ahead of time to secure yourself a space in line. Um, oh and so God. I show up, I like, I duck out of work early. You know, I say I'm going to go get some uh, TikTok footage, but you know, I'm there to, you know, go and kind of have a little bit of a jolly. And so I... Soak it all up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, I get in line, um, like on time for my booking, but I'm still waiting there for like an hour and a half. And the mission here... What? The mission is to get an exclusive beef eater Pikachu. Uh, so it's a regular Pikachu. He's dressed up like a little beef eater. Yeah, he's adorable. Um, and so and this is the only place you can get it, right? It's only going to be there. There is never going to be another one made. Right. Last time there was a Pokemon Center, they made a little Pikachu with a, a suit and a top hat and an umbrella. Very cute. Of course, because because we all dress like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's that's what <laughs> that's I'm what dressed we wear like every now. Day. <laughs> And I missed that opportunity because they sold out. So I was like, I'm not going to miss out on this chance. I'm going to go day one, right? Clo- closest time I can get, just still pretty late in the day. So yes. I wait for however long it was, maybe even two hours in line. Oof. And I can kind of see a stall that says like um, exclusive products sold here. Yeah. And it doesn't look like any of the Pikachus were on the shelf. <sighs> No. And so I'm sweating in the queue. I'm like, I've waited all this time. I'm not going to be able to get one. Yeah. And I still have to wait for, you know, another 20 minutes in line, just like pondering to myself, like, has this all been a waste? And finally get in. I'm there with my partner as well, which is sort of necessary for this story. But okay. um, we... So was this for you or was this for your partner? We're going to share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, would you be allowed to buy one each? Anyway, yes, finish your yes, story. Okay. So, well, yes. well, that may that may come in. Um, okay. So we, we get up to this section, and the exclusive thing on display was actually like some coins. So I was worried for absolutely nothing, but uh, there was a bin full of the other exclusive plush, which is a uh, Rosalia, also in a little beef eater outfit, but <laughs> like not at all what you want if you've uh, no. like tried to get this. But it's just a bin full of that. And I'm like, oh, people have already had it. They've had the Pikachu out of this. This was the bin of what they've got available today. And they've just like stocked it up with what they've got left. Yeah. And so me and my partner are like digging through it, trying to see if there's a like spare Pikachu at the bottom. Like, yeah. Um, and then a bunch of other people kind of cotton on to what we're doing. So they also like try and dig through. And lo and behold, I just see a Pikachu out of the corner of my eye. <sighs> I can't tell how it had gotten there. Like maybe somebody had just like dropped it, but I've also spotted it at the same time as someone else. And so I have it in my hands and I shouldn't have, but I say to them like, was this like yours? And the guy does a little awkward, like look at me, like should we like rock, paper, scissors for it? And I just sort of laugh it off and I hand it to my partner and she puts it in her bag. And yeah. we, we walk away and we say, let's not, let's not talk about this at all. Yeah. Um, and 
we're like looking at some other things and we're really stressed out about this. We're like, have I just done an awful thing? And I'm technically a public figure now. I, you know, I work for IGN. The guy that I did this to could be listening to. This, this is the most right British thing, by the way, <laughs> to feel so awkward over something yeah. that many people wouldn't give a second thought. And so we're just like, oh, are we awful people? Should we go back? Should we try and find this dude? Like, you know, should we actually rock, paper, scissors? Like, yeah. you know, leave it up to fates. As we turn the corner, hundreds of them. <laughs> um. Places stopped. So not only have we been worried for an hour that we weren't going to get one, but I like did the most unethical thing of my life. Yeah, just because the beefy Pikachu was too powerful. Honestly, if that is the most unethical thing that you've ever done in your life, I think you're all right. Oh, you're I did, doing pretty um, well. Yeah. I did once run through some fields of wheat. Wow. You rebel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so when if, if you ever become a parent, you learn to become a little bit more ruthless. Mm. Because um, we went to Disneyland Paris once, and I queued up for probably three and a half hours because my daughter wanted to go and see a Disney princess. And it's mad. As soon as the gates open, at, I don't know, I think it was 8am, you can just see this charge of um, parents running towards it because it's first come, first served. And I was pretty quick. But like I say, by the time I got there, it was three hours later. And then we got to the front and she was obsessed with... Um, oh God, I can't even remember the name of the princess. There were two. There was Snow White or Ariel. Mm-hmm. And I was like... We do not want Snow White. And the lady at the front was like, well, you don't get to see which one you get. And you should have seen my wife. She had serious words with the people. It's like, we've been queuing. I say, we've been queuing. It's me that queued and they joined up. And we were about to go into Snow White. And then you could see that the the person overrode it and took us into Ariel because she did not want the wrath of my wife. Wow. So... Yeah. And I, to be honest, Matt, I'd probably be a bit like you, just kind of sheepishly looking around and going like, oh, yep. well, next time I'll queue again oh, tomorrow well. for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it all worked out in the end, and I'm pleased it did for you as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. You know, I'm very happy. Uh, did you get two? Uh, we did, yes. We got one for uh, uh, my partner's niece. So Nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. The niece might Hopefully. put it on eBay, but, you know, <laughs> once it leaves our hands, that's fine. Well, at least, yeah, hopefully, next time they do a limited edition uh, England-themed Pokemon, maybe it will be a little bit more original than a beef eater or a person in a top hat. I wonder what they've got left if they have another Sherlock visit. Holmes. Yeah. Well, you've, well, you've already got Detective Pikachu there, haven't mm. you? So it's, it's very similar things. I don't know. James Bond. Yeah. Carrying a gun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, this week, we have seen uh, She-Hulk has just started on Disney+. Plus. I watched it this morning, uh, and I must admit, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't watch all of Ms. Marvel, although I heard it's very good. But I, I'm definitely feeling the kind of fatigue of constant shows hitting. And some hit. I thought Obi-Wan was good. Uh, and some miss. Uh, what did you guys think of it? I really enjoyed the first episode of it, I think. Um, I like how it kind of gets straight into everything um, and explains everything it needs to explain in the first episode. I feel like, especially with Moon Knight, we were sort of dropped in. And for half of that show, if you didn't read the comics, it was like, I have no idea what's going on. With this one, it's very much like, this is how everything happened. This is what you need to know. And it's like, okay, we're setting it up now. We can get on with the actual story, which I really appreciate. I I guess the the premise is 
a lot simpler than Moon Knight because to be honest, even having finished Moon Knight, I'm still a bit like, what? <laughs> yeah. The way um, they went about that was very strange how they they didn't properly explain it at any point, I don't think, um, in the show until maybe like the very last episode. It did like, because before it actually happens in the show, as She-Hulk this is, I was a bit like, well, how is she another Hulk? And the way that happens, I was a bit like, Oh, it's literally a contrived, just... easy way to do that story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and so I did a little bit of research to see how it happened in the comics. I am not uh, fully versed on this, but apparently, in the comics, or at least one of the runs, she is shot, and Bruce Banner does it as a way of saving her. She does a he does a blood transfusion to save her life, and that felt a bit more. You know, there's something on the line here. Yeah, I wonder whether or not that would just like. In theory, the Bruce Banner that we've got, I don't think would do that because I think he'd be so worried about his blood. Like Maybe. in the um, the Edward Norton movie, there's that scene where the uh, is that or is it the Ang Lee one? But it is like his blood drips into a soda and it like contaminates the whole facility and uh, like everybody's in a lot of danger. I think he'd be more worried about his blood, which he is in this yeah. one. Um, I think this is one of those shows that like. Some of these Disney ones that they've put out have had a first episode and a second drop at the same time. And I think this could have used that. Because I Absolutely. think it's so much of the setup that we didn't really get to see any of the like the fun. And I would have liked to have, you know, gone from watching this first episode of getting the lay of the land than actually seeing it in practice. I think that's exactly it. I came away from it. I, I really enjoyed it, but I have no idea what the actual show is going to be like with each episode. Like presumably it's going to be like the last five minutes, but I, I don't really know how you're going to sustain that over however many episodes this is. Yeah, I think we've got like a good glimpse of like uh, She-Hulk's relationship with Hulk. And I think it's really nice. You've got the like family dynamic as well of um, like, you know, they can they can have a bit more fun, I think, with their relationship because it's like, oh, we can mess around more. You know, we know each other, um, which is nice. I don't know how much that's going to come in in the rest of the show. Um, I'm not sure how big of a part like Hulk Bruce Banner is going to play um that's that's really difficult to judge I think um yeah so I've not actually watched any of the trailers um so I don't know if it's hinted at in any of those as to kind of the, the scale of his role um I think a lot of the stuff that I saw in trailers and teasers and stuff like that was kind of from the first episode yeah. they sort of they show a lot of that stuff um yeah, most of that stuff really with him, I think we've seen at this point. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But I think that's the thing. Like, is it going to be more of, you know, her superpowers as a an eternity? Or is it going to... Attorney, not an eternity. An eternity <laughs> of being exactly, an attorney. Yes. <laughs> or is it her superpowers as a Hulk? Uh, or how is it going to balance that? And I just have no idea. I would hope... Yeah, I don't want it to go too far down the superhero route because actually I think, you know, that as a secondary thing is quite an interesting premise. I read a story about something that they aren't doing with the show, but they had considered when they were writing it about how they wanted to have a frame narrative of it all being one court case for the whole oh, season. Okay. okay. They're deciding not to do that, but I thought that would have been really cool to just have yeah, yeah, e yeah. everything else happening be a flashback to, you know, the discovery or, you know, a bunch of other stuff happening. I thought that would have been a good way to do that lawyer stuff. And I think that maybe, like, you know, I'm just a, presuming at this point, but I think the show is probably going to be fighting back and forth between that. Maybe, you know, yeah. as a contrast of, like, 
her character and what she needs. Like she's going to have her lawyer side and she's going to have her Hulk side. And yeah, the end of the show is going to be how they, you know, actually meld together. That's my that's my prediction. Well, that's the thing. Like, I have no idea who the person was that burst through the wall in the end scene. Is that? I wonder if that's even relevant, or is it more actually this just showcasing what She-Hulk can do? I think like, she'll be in it. I don't think they would have cast Jamila Jamil if she was only going to show up for a second. Are you well versed in the Marvel universe and have any idea who that is? No, because I'm not, not at all. Okay, good. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Maybe it was a bit of both in that we're going to introduce you to this character very briefly, but also we want to show you like we've shown you a lot about what's already happened to She-Hulk like before this day. And now we're sort of using this as like a springing off point to be like, OK, this is how she handles everything now. Yep. She's got kind of stuff under control and she's ready to like deal with anything, basically. Yep, yep, yep. What about... Um the, the humour. I actually thought it handled it really well. I thought there was some genuinely funny moments in there when they're going through the training and like she kept on throwing stuff at his face and his glasses are being broken. I thought it was, I thought it was genuinely funny. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just the right amount of that silly humour. Um, yep. And again, I think it comes down to them being, because they are related, it's nice they can kind of have that sort of silly back and forth and you get there's like a relationship there between the two of them already. They're very comfortable with each other. Yep. Which I think comes off really well. Did you two watch the post credits bit? Oh, yes. Well, I didn't because I'm Ooh. stupid. Well, I'm going to spoil <laughs> it for you, and I'm going to spoil fine. it for the uh, the listeners at home. I uh, don't mind. There's a little bit where they continue the conversation about whether or not Captain America is a virgin, um, right. and so uh, Hulk actually has a definitive answer for that. It's that he isn't. And I'm just trying to imagine Captain America pulling Hulk aside and just saying, like, by the way, mate, here's the story of how I lost my virginity. Like, I, I don't I don't believe it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the way it sort of, you know, it sort of has callbacks to obviously the stuff with Tony Stark and him helping build that whole setup and, you know, the relationship with the Avengers. But that's equally why I kind of want that bit done and dusted with the Hulk and then let's focus on something entirely new because... Mm -hmm. Again, as I've said before, I only have my my touch points for Marvel is the MCU, and with obviously Endgame, a lot of my interest in that was like, yeah, I'm kind of done now. And obviously, they've made some big announcements that are coming up, but it's still it's not grabbed me at the minute. I don't know if it will grab me, um, and so I'm I'd quite like to see something that is like this, that's a little bit different and isn't kind of just a retread of what we've kind of seen before. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine is a really big She-Hulk fan and has told me that some of the lawyery stuff is really funny. That right. like just really fun too. There's a there's a one story that I've always wanted to see adapted of um like a ghost giving testimony at his own murder trial and like whether right. that's legally possible because you know he's a biased source, right? Um so like that sort of stuff is the thing that I want to see in this. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right though. I think if they'd have um, followed it up with a second episode that gave you a better idea of what was going on, then I think we'd probably all have a much stronger idea of like where the show is going. Right now, I enjoyed it. I don't know where it's going, but I hope it maintains that kind of, certainly the humour that the, the first episode had. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah I definitely uh, feel positive about the rest of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm hopeful still. I think it's it's been off to a good start. So yeah, hopefully it can maintain it. 
Also, I tell you what, a new episode is dropping on a Thursday. Like, stop confusing me. Just keep it Wednesdays. <laughs> I know what's going it's on so with that. so weird, yeah. I'm I, into I, a routine now. <laughs> well, that's it. I did switch on Disney Plus yesterday. It just got eight, thinking, right, here we go. And it was just the trailer. It's like, oh, my God. Right. I need to get better at this. Um, in other news, um, a new fighting game came out uh, that isn't multiverse. It's Rumbleverse. It's another game with verse in the title how is where, it you know, where are they all coming from <laughs> there was that little bit in like 2016 where everything had like like watch in the name like firewatch and yep. overwatch i think verse must be it now that's the thing mm-hmm. I, yeah. uh, you've been playing it matt right i have and uh ign as well gave it a nine out of ten i believe well uh, mitchell mm-hmm. our resident fighting game guru thinks it's excellent he's been posting a bunch of stuff online and i must admit i didn't really i haven't been following this game at all but it actually looks pretty interesting yeah i think it's a really good starting point if you wanted to learn the fundamentals of what fighting games are about yeah it's like there are combo things that you can do um there are like you know spacing and that sort of thing but i think it is like also i think you can learn the basics of what animation priority is like you know why some moves will hit earlier than other ones and what that does and why that's interesting right. um, but it has a look as if it isn't really all that in-depth and serious I think there's as much of a layer there as you want so it's primarily uh, like a battle royale the you know the circle of where you can occupy gets smaller and smaller pushes people in towards one more like climactic fight yep. but because it's all melee attack focused it means that you're not just shooting each other from like over on afar you really do have to get a feel for what your opponent's going to do, like to try and like gauge what their next move will be and respond to it. Um, and it's the best parts of fighting games, but in a really accessible package. How does it? Because obviously, a big part of like um, traditional FPS battle royales is like if you kill an opponent, you get all of their swag, mm. like better guns. Like, what do you get in this instance? So when you're shot out of a cannon at the beginning of the game. Uh, and you try and fly towards a unoccupied area. You're opening crates that either have an ability to um, like get your health a little higher, your attack yep. or your stamina. Um, but you can also find little books that give you a special wrestling move. And right. those books are rated, you know, not very good, medium, and then high. And like depending on the rarity of the crate that you find. So your moves are getting better by collecting stuff in the environment. Um, right. but, but then as you do damage to other players, you unlock perks. And those are completely randomized, but they'll improve. Like There's one where if you stand completely still, you get some of your health back. There's one if you do damage, you get health back as well. There's some right. that like add different things to your combo strings. Um, but because you don't get to pick them, you just get the ones that you get. It means that every round is kind of dynamic too. Like your strategy changes depending on what you've been given and what invite uh, items are around you it's just really cool the verticality is great too it feels like um prototype weirdly like the yes, best yeah, parts yeah, of yeah, it yeah. like just yeah. messing around in a city and you know climbing up buildings and jumping off them like that feels really fun and cool um so yeah. is it what's the actual kind of fighting mechanic then because obviously in a game like fortnite mm-hmm you're still pointing, like you can have a better gun that fires faster or whatever, but do you have to learn, if you get unlock a perk or a skill, it's a different combo that you need to learn? Or is Not it really, still no. simple? Right, okay. It's it's more, you've got just a regular attack or a grab attack. 
yeah. and the grab attack is pretty slow. So if they want to dodge out of the way of that, then they can. Or if they hit you with just a regular strike, or if they try and grab you too, the attacks will bounce off each other. So when you're up against one person, you're just kind of trying to tease them out and think like, what are they going to do next, and how do I respond to it? Yeah. And so that's the that's the like it feels way more like. Not to say that Fortnite doesn't have a degree of skill, right? The building and the aiming is still quite a lot. But it yeah. is just this, like, figuring out what your opponent is going to do is the core of it. Like, okay. when you're when you're on the ground, if you've just been knocked out, your options are, like, do an attack that will hit them if they're around or do something that will, uh, if they're blocking, then will knock them out of a block or just yep. to dodge straight away or to stand up already blocking. Like, just in that situation, you've, you've got four things that you can do depending on what you think the other person's going to do to try and respond to you. And it's it's great. Like It really doesn't need to be that layered, and yet it totally is. Right. And, and are you it... all... Sorry. Sorry, go on, Emma. Um, are you all starting off with the same kind of basic, like, attacks and things, it, or are you picking absolutely. a specific character? Okay, so everyone... Yeah. It's like an even playing field to begin with. Mm -hmm. Everyone's starting off with the same stuff. Every game, totally flat. The only thing that you're bringing in is how good you are at it. Oh, and have you won a round yet? I've won two. Yeah, there oh. you go. I'm I'm great. I'm the I'm the best Rumbleverse player in the <laughs> EU. <laughs> what about the actual characters? So it's all cosmetics. Mm, yeah, like, totally. And then uh, it's so kind it's of a, full, it's like a free to play a, game. Mm -hmm. But then what you pay for costumes skins. and that, yeah, right. And then if you go up in levels, then you unlock some randomized skin stuff, but also like. I think it's kind of annoying, actually, that most of the stuff that you unlock is, like, banner for your, like, player card. Like, if you knock somebody out, then your card will show up and that right. has st stuff written about you. But you unlock those at the same time as any of the costume stuff, which people just want costumes, really. Like, that's what you're in there for. Well, because that's the thing. Like, you don't want, was it 100 players in the, the thing at the same 40, time? 40, but I could have to check that. Right. But, like, you don't want you don't want to see five other people wearing the same stuff that you're wearing. Totally, yeah. You want to look like a an absolute badass, mm -hmm. and presumably you do when you're playing. Yeah, I've got a pair of camo underpants and a pair of black gloves. That's that's my character. Is, is this in the game or is this just yeah, in yeah, general? That's, that's my uh, <laughs> it's my rumble vest costume. Yeah, right. when I'm set at home, the gloves are for like no, non-slip on my mouse. Good, nice. <laughs> and have you played multiverse? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's really good. I, how, does it, it, how do the two stack up? It doesn't really hit me quite the same way. Like it's very much that one's really like smash brothers focused and this yep. like uh rumbleverse comes from a more fortnite -y perspective um yeah i did play quite a lot of multiverses um i think like playing as jake the dog very fun he's you know very movie he's got a little mix-up stuff he can do but it just hasn't grabbed me in quite the same way i think i've so played like smash brothers enough to get a feel for that type of game yeah whereas this yep, yep, feels yep. like a new wrinkle on an entirely like something that felt solved but here's a new way of doing it like hopefully because it has had good reviews lots of people saying positive stuff about it you know they can get enough people through the door playing it because i know that they've got plans for obviously you know season two and you know further stuff down the line but it sounds like it's a decent game i just hope it gets the kind of spotlight because obviously multiverses has got the the licenses of course to kind yeah. of draw you in I think that's um, probably going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, I have a habit of getting really into these ones that don't quite make it. Uh, did either like, of you play like Evo and FIFA all exactly. over again? <laughs> <laughs> did either of you play Knockout City? 
I, I didn't. I, I do remember it, but I had, didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I got really into it. And for people that at home that don't know, it's uh, it's just dodgeball, basically. But it's also got the same type of like mix-up stuff. Of, you know, right. What do you want to do when you're against your opponent? What do you think they're going to do back to you? Um, and I really, I got very deep into it and then kind of has fallen off a cliff. Like no oh. one, no one really cares. Did you back HD DVD rather than Blu-ray? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was a Betamax guy. <laughs> remind, remind me to, to never trust the word you mm. say in that respect, because you're yeah, always going to back uh, the wrong horse. Absolutely. I think that's my, that's my <laughs> curse. I'm Cassandra. Oh dear. Um, also out very soon is Rollerdrome. And again, I know that I think you've both been playing that. Yeah, I've played it a bit. Yeah. Uh, really so I've like watched it. some videos of it. It looks, I don't know, like a cross between Tony Hawk and, I don't know, it's assassin game, right? Yeah, I think saying that it looks like Tony Hawk is, you're definitely on the right Deliberate. lines. It feels very much like Tony Hawk when you're playing. And if you right. like those games, it's going to feel really familiar in that regard as well. So what you'll do is you're skating around these levels. There's like a shopping mall and like a ski lift one and stuff like that. And there will be waves of enemies that will appear and you'll have, you start off with, I think it's like a pistol. And then as you go, you're on lot more guns and stuff and you'll be switching between them. But to replenish your ammo, you have to pull off tricks and do grinds and stuff like that. Right. So in the gameplay stuff, when you see people, you know, doing all these crazy spins and things like that, it's usually because they need ammo. Um, and it's really cool. You can be in like gotcha. slow-mo and basically you're balancing being like looking really cool and having a great time and pulling off all this cool stuff but also you absolutely need it to get through the level and take out these enemies right and so it's you're you're not playing against other people you're playing against like bots effectively yeah exactly it's like a time attack that you're up against so there is a component of competing against your friends but it is mostly leaderboard stuff Oh, because again, I I thought it'd be quite interesting to sort of see what that environment would be like in a proper uh, multiplayer environment mm. where you're going up against other people. Um, what else is like? Because obviously you've got the, the the stunt thing. Like, what else makes it interesting? I've seen some reviews and some people are absolutely glowing about it. I'm not sure we've put our review up yet. Or maybe it went up overnight. I don't know. Um, what, what makes it special? I think it's just because it feels... I really like the Tony Hawk games. And I think just because yeah. it feels so much like that. Um, and you've got all these challenges you can do as well, like which will uh, ultimately you'll have to complete like quite a few of them to progress through the levels and stuff. Yeah. I think what's really cool is this is a game that if you're into Tony Hawk, you can kind of jump straight into it and immediately feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know how to pull off this stuff. And basically the game will drip feed as you're going they'll give you more weapons they'll give you more things that you can do um there's like a call like if you perfectly like dodge um they like basically they'll add more and more mechanics um that will make you feel like you're super powered and that just feels really good as you're skating around this massive arena right and so like presumably there's an end game to it you get to the culmination of all of this or is it just it just keeps piling stuff on from what I've seen so far, yeah, each level is a bit more complex, so it'll add a new thing to it. Um, so, for example, like you'll get like the shotgun kind of, I think, in the second or third level, you'll start doing like wall running and stuff like that. And then they'll start introducing enemies that are harder as well. So they might have shields that you can't necessarily take them down in, you know, one clip. You'll have to yeah. like sort of come back and then um, 
try and handle that. And I think they have like bigger, like sort of like mini boss type enemies as well that I've seen, like um, that you'll have to take on and you'll have to, it's kind of like, you know, in Doom Eternal where you're having to switch constantly between yep. weapons to try and focus on an enemy and you know what works well against yep. each enemy. And if you get that kind of relentless like loop of like you're, you know, coming back, trying again, swapping, focusing, it's very much that um, you get into a really good rhythm with it, which is cool. I was just about to say, like when I played through the recent Doom games, they felt almost like rhythm action because yeah. the way you're constantly moving and, you know, if you stand still for too long and swap them between weapons and you know that the quad damage is going to appear over there or whatever, it's 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 pretty satisfying when you nail that. So that's similar in this case. Yeah, definitely. I think it's and great. Like if you're interested in it at all. And yeah, again, I can't stress enough. If you like Tony Hawk, you're going to love this. Like it's it's really good. Like stylistically, it looks a little bit like Jet Set Radio. I think that's yeah. clearly an influence as well. Yeah. Um, and is that out now? I think yeah. it is. Well, I look. think I want to say it came out on the sixteenth, but I'm not sure. So this week, yeah. Yeah, sixteenth. Uh, well, it sounds like we should definitely check that out. Maybe. I, do you know what? I should have asked for a code. I'm stupid. Oh. No. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that's happened this week is uh, the culmination of Better Call Saul. It's the finale dropped on Tuesday. After it's all gone. It is Saul gone. <laughs> and um, it's kind of obviously been coming for a long time. But at the same time, I don't feel like I was quite ready for it. Um, my initial thoughts were it's a it was a fantastic finale. It kind of did everything I wanted it to. Uh, oh, good point. Um, we are going to discuss the season and episode in full spoilers. So if you don't want to hear that, I suggest skipping forward by, let's say, 10 minutes. We're going to give ourselves 10 minutes to talk about this. Um, yeah, I just felt like he could have gone... Well, we we were led to believe he was going to continue doing his old tricksy stuff and, you know, getting his sentence down to, what was it, seven years from 180? Something like that. It was ridiculous, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, love that even at the end, him doing that is still him getting his own way. Even yeah. getting a worse sentence than he was going to is still figuring out an angle. Like yeah. e even doing it badly, like not getting a, a decent sentence is him being a like tricksy lawyer about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Great, great way to do it. But I just, I love the fact that, you know, he was still very much kind of dressed as Saul at the beginning, but then, you know, full circle coming back to Jimmy McGill and it just felt, and the end shot with him and Kim was such a sweet way to finish it. Um, yeah, it was lovely. It was like the like happiest, saddest thing at the same time, kind of in how perfectly they ended it with those yeah. two. Um, and I liked that it touched on Breaking Bad and it gave you just that, Bit, the connection that you know brought everything together without it being too reliant on that stuff mm -hmm. that framing of asking everybody about the time machine but it yeah. actually being like chuck doing the same thing in reverse on the on the final like as if that was the punchline of the whole thing yeah like ah oh, really really great it's such smart writing mm -hmm. um and i must admit i'm a bit sad um that it's all over now yeah. yeah, like, what do we do with ourselves now? <laughs> like, how do we go on? Yeah. 
What's it's, another um, show? I mean, I'm not. I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the bear on FX at the minute, but it's it's not better call Saul, is it? <laughs> well, there's quite a lot that. coming up. Mm. Um, like one thing, there was a press conference after the episode. Um, we wrote about it yesterday, and um, Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim, said that you know, obviously, she would hope that maybe you know they've kind of sorted out their differences and you know with her as a lawyer she can maybe negotiate his jail sentence down and do it the right way rather than the wrong way that he always used to do something and i'd like to think that that would be the case but maybe he'll just die in jail i don't know (laughs) i hope it's her way yeah like i feel like what was really good with the end of the show as well is they they made time to wrap up everyone's story really well as well. Like none of that felt rushed. It was like, everyone gets their moment. You get enough time with everyone where you feel like, okay, I understand, you know, where you're heading now, where you are in your life and like, you know, what happened up until this point as well. And I think that's really cool that, you know, I think sometimes in Breaking Bad, that felt a bit more rushed of like, right, this happening, this happened, happening, because there's so much going on in that show with this i think because they're going with that they've maintained that sort of a good pace but definitely a slower pace throughout i think it just made it so the finale could be as good as it possibly could be because they had everyone had enough time to you know finish their story the other thing that i read as well is that um apparently the finale was going to be much longer but they wanted to keep it, they wanted to make it feel like a normal episode rather than twice the length of like this special ending. And and again, even that is just, I think they're so smart with the way they kind of did it all um, that it just felt like, yeah, it was the perfect ending for me. Um, and it's just, I, I don't think we see many shows that firstly are that good, but also look that good. I, every single um episode that opens on that you just know that they're going to do something clever with the cinematography and you know every single one it was fantastic yeah remember scenes from like early seasons where they'll open on a shot that they just won't explain for yeah maybe the entire episode but well it it comes right full circle right at the end yes i remember they have the confidence to be able to go like you know we're gonna like have a hook here where you're gonna feel clever at the end but trust yeah. the audience enough to actually stick around to know that. Like, oh, it's just it's just been great the whole time. Well, like, like the other thing that they said in the press conference is that one of the original cuts had the final scene of just them two there sharing the cigarette, but they wanted to get across that actually it's not all harmonious, mm. and so that's why they cut to the sort of the external. Um, because he is on his own. He's not on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, if she's yeah, in the room yeah. with him, then that implies yeah. that she's stuck. Not yeah. that she gets to go live her life, even if she's, you know, under um, civil suit, right? Like she still gets to be out in the world. I was thinking as well about the amazing shot of the uh, dough being mixed in prison, yeah. because it's almost saying that he's been in prison for the last however many years anyway, just being stuck in Nebraska, yeah. right? He's already been doing exactly the same thing. The, just the context has changed. It's oh, it's great. And so much of it is shot in black and white, which, mm. you know, works perfectly. But, you know, I, you just wouldn't have thought that that would have happened in this day. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, they, they had so much artistic license over that um, mm-hmm. show that, you know, a lot of other people would not have been able to get away with. I thought they would have done a, like, a cut at some point that would have been like, no, we're shooting the rest of this in colour. They would have yeah. made it made sense. But no, that, that, that they didn't. Great. They stuck to it, yes. And I love as well in the... Um, 
in the final courtroom scene that he's very clearly wearing one of his flashy suits. Yeah. Like, even yeah. though it's black and white, you can still you can tell that he's it. put the pizzazz <laughs> on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. works for him, like, deliberately trying to fake his um, confession, right? Like, yeah. that he would, because he wants to appear more showy because he wants them to believe that he did it all for the money anyway. Yeah. Like, if he was actually trying to be, you know, the, the version of events that would get him off, then he would be wearing a more, like, reserved suit. Like, it's, yeah, it's great. But now it's come to an end. I know. Sad Oops. times. Aww. So we obviously uh, had a quick discussion before we were going to do the podcast to sort of bring some of our favourite moments uh, from the, the whole season. Uh, Matt, which was one of your kind of standout moments from the show? I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about one of the more recent things that's happened because uh, a lot of people didn't quite like the um at the heist in the department store they just didn't think it was a very good episode uh, for, i i will uh, spend my allotted time uh, refuting go that. for it um so i think that it's supposed to be a contrast to the scale of things that happened in breaking bad like it made me think of how intense the methylamine tanker heist was yeah that like they've got a moving train they've got somebody that as like holding them up they've got to make sure that that guy's distracted they've got somebody on top of the train somebody on the bottom of the train like a bunch of stuff happening uh, and the stakes are so high for it like yeah. they're they're trying to steal a controlled substance moving um you know out in the middle of daylight and they get away with it yeah and the thing that gene takovic has to do is just like grab a couple shoes and shirt yeah. right <laughs> like Some money fast yeah. yeah that's the like this that's where his life is at compared to like what it had to do before and yet it's still as entertaining like the stress is still the same even yeah. though the stakes are so much lower yeah. and yeah as soon as it finished i was like god this this is the level that he's at now despite the fact that he used to you know earn millions of dollars like this is what's important to him and i think that contrast is so necessary especially at this stage in the show yeah to show like how far he's fallen it's uh, it's great like i left that episode thinking this is one of the best ones they've ever made I, and, I agree I thought yeah. it was a fantastic episode um, again I've done my best to avoid um, looking at what other people are saying online because I think people will find bad stuff in everything but obviously some, some episodes are stronger than others but I thought season the last season has been consistently good um, like you know even like the the Nippy the Dog episode was just really good. so brilliant. Have you tried ringing the number, by the way? I have not, no. It's so good. He's left a long voicemail about what Nippy's like. And really? It's, yeah, yeah. It's That's really, amazing. really good. So did you try it or did you read about no, it? No, I've um, seen a YouTube clip. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Emma, what about you? So my favourite scene is also from season six, um, or one of my favourite scenes anyway, and it's when... Jimmy dresses up as Howard. This yeah. is when he's like, he's fully into this scheme with Kim where they're trying to make Howard look like he's um, he's taking cocaine and stuff like that. And I think it's just, this really shows how outrageous Jimmy is as a character. He's, he's fully, he's fully in at this point. And you can see Kim as well. You can see how far she's come from, you know, earlier in the seasons when she was, just a regular lawyer just trying to do the right thing she was very by the book and now she's involved in all this stuff with Jimmy and I think it's great to see 
as well, you've got the contrast of Jimmy walking along in Howard's clothes, getting into his car. He's even got like makeup on to make himself look like he's tanned, like yeah. he's been on holiday like Howard. And I think it's really cool to just see that um, compared to Howard, who's at this meeting with his, I think, a therapist or something where he's like, my life's fallen apart. My marriage has fallen apart. And you've got Jimmy doing this stuff to him. And it's just like, this is how far Jimmy's willing to go to yeah. get what he wants. And it's even, just like, um, Even that mad. scene's kind of a callback to something. It's either the first or second season where he gets a billboard and he's looks a little bit like Howard. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's them doing a deliberate callback to like, you know, this is what started it. And now I'm like back to try and finish it. Like, yeah. honestly, like, the thing I love about the show is that there are so many moments where you feel genuinely uncomfortable because you you want, you're rooting for him, but he's such a shit. And it's like, yeah. oh my God. You can't help it. Like, he, no. and he can't help himself. It's no. like, he, that's just, that's the way he is now. And he and will literally do anything. Yeah. But the context for why he doesn't like Howard as well, a friend pointed this out to me, is that the only time that he admits what it's actually all about which is that just Chuck liked had Howard's respect is at his funeral where he's trying to cover for his involvement in his death. Like that's the only time that he was actually willing to be honest about what it was all about. Yeah. Like, it's great. Uh, I, I, this is not the moment I was going to talk about, but when what happens to Howard happens to Howard. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That was, that was a bit of a shock as well. Like, Cause it's just so like bang. Happens. It's so mm -hmm. sudden. Yeah, you're and not then they even take a really half season break. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're just sitting there wondering, like, what, <laughs> what's going on? Thankfully, it was quite a short break. Mm -hmm. It was only what it was a few weeks, wasn't it? It's not like you know half a year or something like that. So it didn't feel like the wait was too long. Um, but I guess for the moment for me that really stands out. Of, there were so many. Was when Nacho um, swaps the pills um, for um, Hector Salamanca because. Obviously, it's a tense scene. You know, he's swapping out his heart pills for, I think, is it ibuprofen or something like that? You know, just regular kind of pills. Just something else, yeah. But that the connection and, you know, all the things that that leads to from that one scene and everything that we've seen in Breaking Bad is just, like, instrumental. And that it, it summarises what those two shows are for me together. It's not about, you know, they need one another to survive. It's just, you know, the, the, these little touch points that mean so yeah. much they play it down and it, it just happens and it's like fuck look at that and so you know if it wasn't for that moment we wouldn't have the ding 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 constantly mm -hmm. <laughs> um and that is one of the things that stands out for both shows to me is 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 that moment so and again it's so brilliantly handled and again what happens to nacho is just like oh my god all of these moments yeah you um, don't even get to be around you've been like the the soul of this show and you don't even get to be around for the yeah. next show that happens like yeah yeah i think that the thing that i will remember um both breaking bad and better course all four is that they're both shows about people with um skill and patience because yeah. there are just long scenes where people work really hard for hours on something and that's how they get the job done yeah. i remember the episode where jimmy uh is on the bus getting people to write letters for that one trial yeah. for huel and about how utterly hard that would be to but he still sticks at it and has the patience yeah where um kim is uh trying to find leads so that she doesn't just have to work in the the post uh office bit of the lawyer yeah. or um when mike is like trying to work on his own like 
homemade like nail thing to stop a car from uh yeah anyway like there's so many scenes of people just like diligently working hard yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be boring in any other show and yet this like it's intense every time so I have got written down here is like Breaking Bad versus Better Call Saul, which is better. Like, but for me, like I don't think I can say one is better than the other because actually I think they just work perfectly together. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who adore Breaking Bad but haven't watched Better Call Saul, and I just find that absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. It, I can't understand that. <laughs> it's a very different tempo from that show, especially in the early days of it. But God, if you you've got to stick it out because mm. it just brings so much more to both shows the way they they connect. I think that first season of Better Call Saul is good, but it is a slow burn. I think it yeah. might put people off. But yeah. knowing how well received this finale has been, I can't imagine the like Breaking Bad fans that have that, that haven't bothered. I don't think there's going to be many of them left. And I think like if you look at how Breaking Bad finished again, a, a fan, fantastic finale there. Like this, it just wraps up. Everything really, especially with El Camino. Um, surely that universe is done, though. I can't imagine you can go back to that. It's pretty, pretty final, right? I think so, and I think they should. It would be smart to end it now as yeah. well. I think go out on a high. Don't you know? Don't try and do more of it. I think everyone's really satisfied with this ending, and I feel like it would be a mistake to maybe try and add more at this point. Maybe that's just like. How I feel though. Yeah. Nah, Huel needs his own show. You reckon? <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Bill Burr's character going on adventures. Yeah, mate, right. give me that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so that is it. The finale for. Bre- uh, I was going to say finale for Breaking Bad. But In a way, it is. It is, it is. Um, let us know what you thought about the show. You can email us at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, now we are going to move on to the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Okay, so in keeping with the theme of spin off shows. Ooh. This week's End the Search is about spin-off shows. Okay. So what we're going to do is I've got three clues. So the first one is worth three points. Second clue is two points. Last one is one point. And then each, like, if you get the answer on the first clue, then you'll get the most points. Um, gotcha. Get you to shout out what you think it is. But yeah, the basically I've got five different spin-off shows and the clues are going to get easier. So Right. Okay. Let's see how well you know spin-off shows. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so for the first one, after years in the Big Apple, this character moves in with his rocket scientist nephew. Oh my god. If uh, you get it based off this clue, I'll be oh, impressed okay. and also maybe a little bit horrified that you know this much about the show. <laughs> uh, is it... Oh God! I, there's the name of a program I'm trying to think of, but I can't think. Um, oh God! It's one of the friends characters, but I can't remember his names. Oh well, I'll say it now because this was my guess. It was yeah. Joey. 
It is Joey. It is Joey. <laughs> it is Joey. God. Matt, did you know that based off of just no, rocket but science? No, it was the Big Apple. It was the Big what Apple. Other, yeah. What other they show has got away. a spin-off from New York? It is Joey. Come on, I should get half a point for that. Well, you did say Friends character, to be fair. Well, yeah. is there any other... I don't think there's any other... Um... I would imagine if Phoebe had her own show. Exactly, right? Yeah. That so, would be interesting. I've um, never watched a single episode of Friends, which really? is why I'm struggling to come up with... Like, my daughter watches it, uh, and I knew that there was a... Um, uh, I was going to call it a knockoff show. It probably is a knockoff <laughs> show. Yeah. Uh, and she, yeah. when we went to New York earlier this year, she went to the Friends Experience, so I was like... That's the only, as you say, Big Apple connection. Okay, that's really cool. Anyway, you're the judge. However you want to divide the points, I will stand by. I think, you know, we'll be kind. We'll give Matt yeah. the three points. We'll give you a point. Does that sound fair? Not really, but go on then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's next fine, one. that's fine. Uh, the main character has several personas. Okay. Uh, Moon Knight. Is that a spin-off? No, but... (laughs) It's a guess. (laughs) Personas. Um, I mean, you know, there's Shin Megami Tensei. They did make an anime out of Persona 5. So, yeah, I'm going to say that. If it's that, I'd be amazed. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. So we okay. are moving down for two points. Yep. He's always slipping. Is it better call Saul? It is. Uh... Slipping Jimmy. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. All right. Next one. Um, this show focuses on the early life of a fictional... Nobel Prize winner. So I've got this. I don't know if you want to try. I don't know what it is. It's uh, Young Sheldon. It is. I've never even heard of it. So So it's like the spin-off from uh, The Big Bang Theory? One of the characters in that. I would never have got that in a billion years. Okay. Okay, on to the next one. Uh, It all leads back to Bad Wolf. Is this Torchwood? Yes. I'm, oh my oh, god. I thought, that was, I thought that was difficult. I'm would you like so to hear good. my other clues just to see if yeah, you would have got do. it? Yeah. Uh, okay, so clue number two would have been in his younger years, its leader had time to travel with a flower and a physician. Ooh. So that would have been the Doctor and Rose. Right. Um, and then the final clue would have been this team of Cardiff-based alien hunters was founded by Queen Victoria. <laughs> right. <laughs> All or nothing. All or nothing. What, what's the current scores? I don't think it's going well. So, so far... Let me see, Is this going to remove any sense of peril if we know how uh, how boned you are? No, because I think... I I think you should do the noble thing and say, let's forget about the scores and let's do it all on this last one. That's what I think. <laughs> Sounds fun. So far, Matt has eight points. Um, Alex yeah. has a point. Mm. So, yeah, all or nothing on this last one then. Um, 
this British sitcom spin-off series is just three episodes long. Poof. No, it's not there. I don't know. Do you have a no, guess, Matt? No, I don't have this either. Okay, that's good. I was scared I was making these too easy. I'm glad this one's a bit harder. Um, one of its main characters... So this is for two points, sorry. One of its main characters is a wheeler dealer and an in-betweener. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know what the show is called. I've no idea what the show is called. Matt, do you have a guess? Rodney. <laughs> well, it's, it, he played yeah. Del Boy, though, didn't he? Uh, I think Rodney was... I mean, you both know what the show is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you do. Um, I think Rodney played Freddy the Frog. Who was, I think, was his dad. Right. What? Um, you might get the name off mm-hmm. this last clue, maybe. So you both know what it is, but you don't know what the title of the thing is, right? Well, I think so. You can get this at your local chippy. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh my god! Like, is it, and it, this is the show name. You can get <laughs> yeah, it at your local the, chippy. The, the title of the show. You could go into a fish and chip shop, and you could. You could make this order. Savaloy. Oh, that was going to be my joke answer. Because <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that uh, I can think of remotely. And it's specifically a fish and chip shop. Yeah. Battered sausage. Mushy peas. <laughs> Pineapple fritter. I don't know. <laughs> so it's rock and chips. Oh my god! Is that what the show was called? <laughs> That's what the show was called. Yeah. Was... Why? Why is it called Rock and Chips? I don't know. I, I wish I knew, but apparently, I think Rock is some kind of like fishy dish. I think rock it's is like... a, Rock is a fish, but what has that got to do with like? Because I would have thought like oi oi savaloi or something <laughs> like that, because that feels like something that's more like only fours and horses. Yeah. But Rock and Chips. That's no wonder nobody watched it. This is... I've never heard of this. This is mad. But it's the the, the dude yeah. from the in-betweeners. He's, he's Del Boy, isn't he? He's Del Boy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah, yeah, Nicholas Lindhurst plays his own characters. Well, Rodney's dad, I think. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird show. It's very strange, but... Only it. three episodes, you say? I yeah. wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was filmed... it was a very mini, mini series. It was filmed in Peckham, so we could go on a little walking tour of the shooting locations. Was this. it actually? So at least it was like, you know, authentic. Yeah. Or was yeah. it just set in Peckham? Uh, no, production locations Peckham. There you go. Uh, thank you for that absolute demolishing, Matt. And thank you for coming up with those questions, Emma. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, anytime. Yeah, this is why I like to read out the quizzes. I hate being put on the spot. It makes me feel so anxious. Uh, Please do send in your endless searches to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Right, we've got some feedback now. And the first piece, uh, I think 
well, I certainly know it's for you, Emma, but you may also uh, be able to help, Matt. It's from Andrew Priest who says, "Hey up, hope that's all the read." I think he's trying to do some kind of local dialect, but written out, it's actually very hard to read mm-hmm. uh, without he, knowing which local dialect it is as well. It exactly. Could do it in any accent. Uh, I'm guessing due to Cardi's non-stop moaning about his workload, which, let's face it, is all of the time, uh, we're not getting an Elden Ring special podcast anytime soon. So that being said, are there any tips or advice you can give me for the opening hours of the game? My bloke's getting absolutely battered and sodomized by literally out that moves, and I really want to crack on with the game, but the truth is, I don't have a Scooby-Doo with what I'm doing. Is that I actually like a... Like- is there a, like a, a sodomizing power in a, in a dungeon that I haven't gone to? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a special sword that allows you to do weird mm. things. Uh, I like the idea of people asking us for uh, advice. I'm not sure. Well, I, I think, Emma, you're certainly one of the right people to do this. Matt, do you know the game well? Yeah. What's What do you do then? I'd say with this, depending on how early it is in the game for you, um, if you're happy to switch builds or start putting some stats in um, in different attributes, I'd say magic is easy mode in Elden Ring, like it is in most Dark Souls games. So if you pick the prisoner and you just they um, get like a starting spell when you pick that class, use magic glint blade. Or if you're a different class, get magic glint blade. Use that against early game stuff, and you'll do pretty well with that. Um, on top of that as well, I'd say if you run into something that's too hard, the beauty of Elden Ring is that you can just run away, go to a different area and come back. You're not you don't have to stay there and keep, you know, grinding away and not making mm. any progress. So just remember that if it's too hard, maybe you're under leveled, come back in a little bit, you know, put a little marker on your map, just come straight back. Um also I think you know, don't forget you can summon other people in, especially like uh, if you're going to like be engaging in lots of boss fights or the little mini boss fights, um, use your spirit ashes that you're collecting as you're going. And also, don't be afraid to bring in other players for those big fights as well. My advice is purely philosophical. Go on, then. The, ga- the game wants you to win. If you And also, your victory is only made meaningful by the struggle it has taken to get there. So no matter wow. how many times you bash your head against it, <laughs> know that it will be only sweeter for having tried. Uh, so, um, Andrew, I'd love to know which piece of advice you found the most useful out of those two. Maybe they complement each other like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Um, perfect. Thank you for that. We've also got a lot of feedback from last week's episode where we asked people to submit their next Predator setting. Now... We're going to read through some of them, and then we are going to green light one. Um, Emma, the first piece is from you. Cool. So this is from Callum Thompson. With regards to the perfect setting for a Predator film, I've always wanted to see how it would play out if you took the dreadlocked alien hunter and plonked him straight into the trenches of World War I. Would we have a Christmas 1914 incident with both sides realising there's a bigger threat and joining forces, or would it just focus on one side of the front? That's pretty do, good framing. I do think it's good. I do think he's the person pitching us, and therefore you should tell us, is it both sides realising that there's a bigger threat? I kind of think that would be the right way to go. Mm. And that's the thing that ends World War One. But, you know, it could be super stylish in how it was shot and produced. Um, I think that's a strong start. You could I recreate think- one of the photos of them kicking his head about at the end. 
instead of a footy. <laughs> you can do that, yes. It's a very big football, yeah. quite unevenly shaped. Um, and also, there was lots of mud in the trenches. You can mm. you know, have a call back to Arnie's scene and covering themselves up. Uh, okay, Matt, what's your one? So this one's from Scott. Thank you, Scott. Shock nobody suggested the Predator go toe-to-toe with Rocky. Sure, we'll need to suspend disbelief as to why the Predator is working towards the title of heavyweight champion. But imagine the montage of Rocky working to overcome an actual monster in the ring. I would have liked this movie sitting just after four and deleting five from existence. Rocky at his most exhausted and damaged, telling Adrian how he simply cannot let the Predator hold the title. I like it. I like the idea of the Predator doing a training montage to overcome Rocky. T- turn it on its head. Cause I would want to see that. <laughs> we've seen him running up some stairs, but yeah, I want to see Predator doing something crazy. I started watching um, Predator 2 last night, and I've not watched that film for an exceptionally long time. And um, I'm surprised how full on it is, like, mm. compared to like Predator 1. Um, the opening scenes of people, you know, shoving stuff up their noses and going nuts and, you know, bodies flying everywhere. It is weird to think of Predator as being quite reserved as a film, but it, you know, after that halfway point, it genuinely is. Like, yeah, it, yeah. like when all of the loudness is gone and it is just Arnie and the Arnie yeah. and the lad, it is sort of, like, just very, yeah, it's a kind of a character study at that point. So if it was Rocky Balboa, against the gloves off Predator, no helmet, no nothing, who's going to win? Goku. (laughs) (laughs) Goku would batter both of them. That's not the question. (laughs) You should have sent in your premise. Uh, That's true. Oh, God, yeah, Predator (laughs) versus Goku, mate. All right. At the minute... I'm kind of favouring the World War One one. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I'm going for that too right now. Um, so Tom Ridjolly wrote in with just three words: Terminator versus Predator. Which I'm sure I think this is isn't a comic. Well, because there's lots of what well, they obviously they've done aliens and they've done well they've done tons of stuff. Um, uh, did they do Judge Dredd or was that just aliens they did Judge Dredd with? I have to check, but maybe maybe there's aliens. There was definitely some kind of crossover going on there. Anyway, Terminator versus Predator. Like, which Terminator are you talking about? You know, Arnie's T800. Are you talking about T1000? I must admit, I've not seen some of the more recent Terminators, so I don't know what they do versus the others. I don't know. A robot versus a Predator. Who's going to win? They're both pretty strong. I think have to be terminator right well but he hasn't got much at his disposal he's just metal he's right? a melty metal man yeah he um, can just keep going though you know i don't know predator well so oh, firstly does predator the... wouldn't be able to spot him in his with his infrared vision That's what i was thinking yeah just like terminator yeah. probably doesn't give off heat so it's just kind of constant sneak attack, bang. Oh, we're going to get attack, letters bang. about this, actually. Like, we're, we're definitely going to get emails in going like, actually, no, the Terminator does give off a regular human life signature. Oh, That's part of the... Well, maybe the the bodily coating, for want of a better word, that it's mm. wrapped in, but maybe not the actual shell. So maybe that's how the story evolves. The, 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 it, when it gets down to its metal frame, that is the equivalent of the Arnie covered in mud moment. Yeah, that's not bad. I like that. Let's, okay. let's get that in production. Hey, we've still got one more to go. 
Uh, Emma, you've got the last one. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is from Jake Cowrie. Last week you asked for dream predator films and something you said in passing gave me an incredible idea. I'd love to see a predator film set during a medieval castle siege. Warring armies on the outside mean the heroes can't leave the confines of the castle, but the armies outside don't know there's a predator inside slowly tearing through all the knights defending the castle. Out of loyalty to a particular departed IGN UK teammate, I'd have to set it during the Siege of Harlech Castle, I think that's how you say it, um, in Wales, in the middle of the War of the Roses in 1468. Gorgeous countryside outside, terrifying killing machine alien inside. <laughs> what could be better? In the finale, we have the House of York finally break the siege, only to walk into the castle and find everyone has already been murdered by the predator. Or maybe just a predator corpse on a spike. Oh, sorry, on a pike. Either way, it's going to be brilliant. I just have to uh, be clear for anybody that's worried. Gav didn't. Gav isn't dead. Gav. Oh, I thought we were talking about Creeper. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing with that, I like the idea of the setting. I don't really get. Obviously, once the predator's done what he's done inside, then what they they break into the, the siege and then, oh, it's all been done. Yeah, feels that's, like that's a good ending of that movie. Actually, is it? To be honest, yeah. Oh no, because they break through as like the all hope is lost, basically. And surely, then up, yeah. Surely they would also hear what's going going on inside the castle. It's like, hang on, a minute. can you hear all those screams and bodily parts <laughs> flying everywhere? I guess I if the predator's still, if if the predator's still alive at the end, and then they break into the castle, it's like okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe one person inside the castle like got away and hid or something, and they can do yeah. like a, a sneak attack or something like that to finally end it. Well, um, that's, while you were reading it, it was making me think of the siege of Winterfell, um, and the predator is the Night King, and you've got all these. He's basically an unstoppable force, and you've got you know hundreds of thousands of people dying at the hands of this thing. But then it's just one person who does a little flashy trick with the knife to kill him. Yeah. That could potentially work. That could work. I think that'd be good. Yeah. Right. Well, those are our four entries. Who's going to come in at number three? I, I hate to say it, but Rocky's not making my top three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Put Goku place. in it, though. Sorry, Scott. It. Position three. I like Terminator wanna... versus Predator for that. I for, think for, maybe for Terminator, yeah, yeah, because we don't know the story exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just an it. idea. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's something, it's a build your own adventure. You make it up as you go along. See how it goes. <laughs> so that leaves us with the World War I uh, setting or the Siege of Predator Winterfell. I think World War One's too good. It's too good, isn't it? Yeah. I, think, I, can, yeah. I can actually see it happening. And I'm pretty sure if we've got a... I don't know who owns the rights to the Predator anymore, but an exec listening to this podcast, because they probably are, that will be greenlit. And do you know what? Mm-hmm. Callum Thompson, I hope you get the credit and lots of money that goes with it, because yeah. you deserve it. Amazing. Thank you very much for sending in your suggestions. Uh, as always, you can email us at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Um, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, Matt and Emma. Um, and obviously for everybody else listening, look out for our Gamescom special next week. Uh, Emma and I will be back here 
crying in the UK while everybody else is having a fun time in Cologne. Matt, I hope you have a nice time. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye. It's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?